0: y'all and welcome to an, another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have a podcast host, a motivational speaker, and most importantly, he is an overcomer of a testimony you got to hear. It gives me great privilege to introduce to you Mr. Eric Allen. So in your bio, you talk about, um, how you lived on your own since the age of 14. Can you tell me a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. You know, I grew up in this house that I thought was like the typical household. My, my dad and my mom, we went to Sunday school and and I have a younger sister and we lived in this desert area of Eastern Washington. So we'd go out and find stuff that out in the desert was dumped and things like that. And well, it turns out my dad was an alcoholic. I never knew it. He was very quiet. He wasn't abusive or anything like that. And, um, So when I was 11 years old, my parents got divorced and both of them got together with somebody very quickly right after the divorce. Unfortunately, my mom got together with another gentleman who was uh, a very abusive alcoholic and they had a child together that's about my little brother's 13 years younger than me. And uh, after my first half of my eighth grade year, my mom and her boyfriend decided to move us to Montana, which I knew was a very bad idea because I had already seen him beat up my mom several times Uh, in the house that we lived in in Washington and she never pressed charges. So I grew up in this watching my mom just get beat up and never pressing charges. We moved to Montana and I was in this area where the house they moved into was basically them. So they had their own room. My little sister had her room and then my little brother had their room or had his room. And for me, I was 12 years old, moving to the state of Montana and didn't have a room in this house that my family moved us to. And so what they did was they actually stuck up a plastic wall in the garage uh, on one half that had a fireplace, and that was my room it, through the winters of Montana, and it really kind of sucked. I mean, uh, put my my uh, mental state to the test for sure when it got down into the zero degree temps uh, during the winter there. But uh, I remember being in Montana. I was it was about midnight. I was 13 years old, and my mom and her boyfriend came home arguing one night. And as I'm brushing my teeth, I so the way it's set up is I was in the bathroom, and then if I turn to my left and look down the hall, there's the kitchen and then the pantry and then to the garage to where I, my room was at. And so as I'm brushing my teeth, I felt God uh, say, hey, you need to look around this corner and see what's going on. So I turn around and I look at this down the hallway, and I see my mom's boyfriend on top of her and literally just punching her in the face one after the other. Boom, boom. And I got to think to myself, how do I get this guy off my mom? And so the first thing that came to my mind was grab a, a frying pan. And so I grabbed one of those cast iron, super heavy camping ones, and I snuck up behind him. And as hard as I could, I took a swing and hit him in the back of the head and split his head open. He was so drunk. It didn't knock him out. He turned around and he was kind of mid-sentence like, what the? And then as he was mid-sentence, I took another swing and split his forehead open here. And at that point, I had fallen over. He stood up, still not knocked out. And I remember him yelling over me and my mom, my mom coming out of nowhere, throwing like six punches uh, to his face and blood was spotting on the wall. Of course, the police came, took him away for the night, but my mom would never press charges. Um, after that, I moved to live with my dad out in Washington State. My dad rented this house um, from his girlfriend's mom. And so I moved to live with my dad from my sophomore through senior year of high school. My dad would put 20 bucks in a cup. That was my lunch for the week. And he would stock the fridge with hungry, mad meals and cereal and milk And that was basically my food. Uh, Mm. My dad would go and live with his girlfriend, basically. There would be several times where I wouldn't see my dad for a month or two uh, at at a time because he would be over there and I'd be going to school. And on the weekends, it it was turning into this party house. So I became a um, heavy pot smoker, uh, LSD, mushrooms, whatever I could get my hands on in high school. And um, even to the point when I was 18 years old, I was arrested for having a bong. I had to spend the night in jail so very scared going to go to jail at 18 years old. And um, it was funny because I didn't know God at the time, obviously. But when I went to jail, I took my Bible with me and I just said, I'm, I'm just going to read my Bible. And so I showed up and they put me in the black and white chain gang outfit and I had a bright orange slippers and I had to go into this jail with 12 other guys. And uh, it was really scary. And like I said, I just sat there and read my Bible uh, and listened to the stories of just the craziness of how these guys got in there and kind of just, I think, protected me because I didn't have a, a cellmate. I was out the next day. And yeah, it was just kind of a crazy life for sure.
0: Now, how did you overcome all of that?
1: <laughs> it took me a while. It took me a while. Um, I, even after I got out of jail, I, I was on probation for a year, so I didn't smoke pot. That's what I had to stay away from. And I became a drinker at that point. And so When I moved to Seattle, I had a friend call me up and say, hey, do you want to move to Seattle? And I said, sure. I had a hundred dollars in my pocket and I slept on floors of people I didn't know. Uh, Sometimes it was cousins of cousins. And between the ages of 18 and 21, I moved 21 times living on different couches and living with different people and um, really was just lost. Um, I was dating a girl prior to moving to Seattle that knew Jesus, that I gave my life to Christ at that time. and But it was more for her. It wasn't for me. It wasn't a personal relationship with God. It was because she wanted me to. And it was so I could impress her, right? But the moment that we broke up a year later, I went right back to smoking and drinking and doing drugs. And um, I was working in the music business for Universal Records for about a year in my early 20s. And I was working at Starbucks at night. And this girl came into Starbucks, didn't drink coffee. And she said, hey, I work at this church down the street. And we have this really cool college night event. If you want to come hang out, it'd be cool to have you come hang out. And I was this depressed guy who would hang out in my apartment and drink beer all night and, and pass out on my couch and didn't have any friends. And so I said, yeah, let's, let's go. I'll go hang out. Well, it turned out that when I got there, God had just opened up all these doors. There was all these people that I was connected to from Eastern Washington as growing up. And so that kind of opened the door. That was like the seed of me coming to know the Lord. And a few months later, it was Easter morning. And this girl who had invited me to that church event, you know, we were still kind of connected, but not, you know, we weren't dating or anything like that. I just seen her when she come in my store. Well, I went out to party with some buddies, uh, got really drunk, woke up on Easter morning, surrounded by about 15 people that were passed out at my buddy's basement. And it was oh. at that moment, I felt God go, you're done. And I had a pastor tell me one time that God kind of has us on these strings. And every time we sin. He cuts the string and reties it and pulls us a little bit closer to him. And I remember being in that basement and waking up and going, I felt God so much in that room that right then and there, I quit cold turkey, drugs, drinking cigarettes, gave my life to Christ in that basement by myself. And then I called that girl up from Starbucks and I said, hey, I just want to say happy Easter. Hopefully I'll see you at Starbucks again soon. Uh, Three months later, we were dating. A year later, we're married. And this year we celebrate 15 years of being married.
0: I listened to your story before and you said something on there that um, intrigued me. You said that you had a hard time sharing your story with people. Why is that? I think it was embarrassed.
1: Um I I just was shy and didn't want to tell people I think I put on this persona for a lot of years of like, I'm not perfect, but I'm I'm got myself straight and I'm doing good things and you know, I, I was just shy about sharing that testimony I didn't want to be judged and even after I gave my life to Christ it was still it was hard for me to share my story unless I was in like a small men's group or a small group or something like that or with you know one-on-one situation and um, I was listening to a a guy do a a training on speaking on stages uh, back in October and I thought hey you know what I'm just going to share my story and throw it out there and uh, see what happens and and it's Really been encouraging to hear a lot of great feedback from that. And, and, um, yeah, it was a lot of weight off my shoulders when I finally just put it out there.
0: Do you think it's harder for men to share their story when they have a relationship with God?
1: I do. Yeah. You know, it, and maybe it's just like the background that I come from, but I just felt like I didn't want to share my story. I didn't want to open up and, and be vulnerable with everybody else. Uh, you know, and and people would share their story with me. But for me, I just I I wanted to be this tough guy. I wanted to be the guy who was the rock star who came from this awesome life and everything was perfect, you know, and and it just it wasn't me. And and inside, I battled that for a long time. And so once I released my story, it was, like I said, a really big weight off my shoulders. I've been able to connect with uh, a lot of people uh, that have been really great relationships since I released that God's just opened up a lot of doors.
0: Something else that I saw in your bio that yeah. I was like, shut the front door. Mixed martial arts, huh?
1: So I'm a huge fan of MMA. I grew up, you know, I never fought. I, I did some karate as a kid, maybe did some boxing in high school, but that was about it. But, you know, back in the early days, I'm 40 years old, but in the early days when I was in first and second grade, me and my cousin, who was a year younger, we would walk like a mile uh, in town to go to the VHS store. And we'd go rent UFC 1, 2, and 3. Now, I'd never let my first grade kid to walk a mile into town, uh, but back then, <laughs> I guess it was different, you know?
0: Um, All right.
1: But uh, yeah, so I, I grew up, my dad always had me watching like ninja movies. I think I was a ninja for Halloween for like 15 years straight, you know? Um, <laughs> I just uh, always was a fan of the fight game. And, and, and so in 2012, I was talking to my wife and I said, you know, I really want to, get into this t-shirt apparel business and see what I can do with it. And and so she came up with the idea of top rate MMA. She came up with the idea of being 100% American made. And then I went and researched a a company that we could donate to, which is Higher Heroes USA. Uh, It was started by UFC fighter Brian Stan. And uh, they help veterans transition into the workplace with free job training and job placement. So we actually donate 25% of our profits to those guys. You know, we started out as an apparel, and I've had excitement over the years of up and down. And I, at one point, I even tried to sell the business because I wasn't excited. And around 2016, I said, i got to change something. And I had my buddy redo my website, and I said, I'm going to start this podcast and see what happens. And I didn't have space in the house to do the podcast, so I actually recorded almost my first 100 episodes from a walk-in closet.
0: You know what? It got, it'd got be like that sometimes,
1: <laughs> Right? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, I, <laughs> my full-time job is a, is I work from home. And we've never had a room for me to do that. So actually, my, my home office was even in the walk-in closet for two and a half years.
0: <laughs> it was a multitask closet. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. <laughs> now, okay, so I'm going to backtrack just a little bit about the martial sure. arts. So yeah. are you a huge Bruce Lee fan? Please tell me yes, or I will oh. hang up. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely,
1: absolutely huge Bruce Lee fan have all of the, the movies on DVDs. I used to have them on VHS and yeah I just grew up watching Bruce Lee movies all the time. My dad was a huge fan as well And so he kind of uh, introduced me to Bruce Lee and I've kept it going for sure
0: Yeah, we are too. And matter of fact, I can watch Enter the dragon like three times a day <laughs> No lie, yep. of course, you know, it's kind of some of the lines are cheesy, but it's sure. like I don't even care I right. love love that movie would you say that your podcast kind of launched you or pushed you into this new new light, new confidence to be able to share your story, to share your uh, your dream, your goals?
1: It did. Yeah. I mean, like I said, when I started the podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. I just I bought this little cheesy camera from Amazon and I was using the microphone uh, that was on my laptop when I when I first started and and I really wanted to just ask guys why they want to get in a cage and get punched in the face. And, you know, it was just the, the strangest thing. And then, but what it did was every show kept building up more and more confidence. And I realized like looking back the first three or four shows, I wouldn't look into the camera or I'd look at the screen and I didn't have lights on in my closet, you know? And so, um, it just, it helped me build a lot more confidence and where I felt comfortable being on camera and, and then it opened up more doors to, you know, talk with just a ton of people. Mm-hmm. I've now done between my two podcasts, I've now recorded uh, close to 200 episodes.
0: Oh, so you have two podcasts.
1: I do, yeah. So I I launched a new one in January of last year. Uh, It was kind of a a spinoff. So I've got Top Rated May where I focus on really the up-and-coming fighters globally. And so I talk with fighters from all over the world. Usually my shows are short, between 8 and 15 minutes at most. Just me and a fighter, really just getting to know why they got an MMA and things like that. And then in January of last year, I started a new show called The Bearded Biz, and that show opened up so many doors. It allowed me to talk with so many different people. And the the kind of premise on that is I get to talk with entrepreneurs, world changers, and success-minded people. And so I've been blessed to be able to talk with people from Ed Milet to Sean Whalen to a kid in England who's 14, making 30 grand a year, living on a farm. You know, I mean, just it, it, there was no limit on who I could talk to. And so that's really why I wanted to start The Beard of Biz because... I wanted to just talk to so many people and get to know people. And that's just a passion of mine.
0: Were, were you like surprised about how, you know, how everyone's story, though it may be different, it's very similar?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it's interesting. I love to hear the, the, I mean, I hate to see people struggle, but I think struggle makes us stronger. And I think, um, you know, when everybody goes through a day to day struggles or life problems, and even when there's people who come from, you know, happily married families. There's always something in that, and there somewhere that they cause them to kind of struggle with something, right? And so, I love hearing people get through things, break through, have their breakthrough in life, breakthrough in their their faith with God, and and so I love being able to just hear and, and talk with people who are on this journey of getting through things like that.
0: Now, what advice would you give someone who feels lost, who has had similar things happen to them in their life? And they don't see an out.
1: I would say get connected with people that are doing what you want to do, are, are in the place that you want to be. And I kind of take that from Ed Milette because he says look, if you're walking around feeling 80 degrees and you want to be successful, or if you want to be like in this spot, you need to surround yourself around with people that can lift you up. And so, I If I'm walking around 80, I want to go find guys who are walking around at 120 degrees because if I go hang around guys who are 120 degrees, my 80 degree temperature is going to go up and it's going to lift my spirits and it's going to kind of get me into this spot. Now, hanging around people is not going to get you happy. I think that's that's something that you have to do internally. That's between you and God. But I think that if you hang around people that are happy in where they're at or happy doing what you want to do and you can connect with them, that will lift your spirits and that will get you going in the right path.
0: Now there's people who know that I'm going to play devil's advocate just a little bit. There's people who know that. Yeah. But yet they still want to hold on to those old friends because they feel guilty. Now, what advice would you give that person?
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough. And I've been in that situation. When I decided to get my life to Christ and I had to tell my friends, Hey, I can't, hang around you guys right now, I have to take a break. And here's why. Me personally, I can't go out to the bar with you guys because I'm trying to fix myself right now. I'm trying to get into a better spot personally. And here's the thing is if they're real friends, they're going to understand that. And I've been able to come back and be friends with them after I got to a spot where I could feel comfortable talking with them and hanging with them. It wasn't that I didn't want to be friends with them, but it was what it was in a spot where in my life at that time I needed to make changes and they weren't in that spot yet. And so I had to say, Hey, you know what? I got to back away for a little bit. I got to get into this position. I got to fix myself. I got to put myself at God's feet and say, God, I just give you everything right now. Take control, you know, guide me, lead me. And I think just being able to acknowledge that you can step away and the real friends will understand that those are, that's the kind of relationships that you, that you want. Right. And it's tough. It's hard to say to your friends, I can't hang around with you right now. But I think if you can do that to get to a better spot for you personally, the relationship will deepen the next time you come around.
0: And at that moment, that's when you find out who your real friends really are. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah I had to tell my daughter, I said, you know, she was like, you know, you have some good friends. I said, I do. I said, but I started naming our friends, and she was like, yeah, where are they? And I started naming all some them. She said, yeah, where are they? I said, do you <laughs> see my point? I said, just because these little handful are still around, I said, remember the other handful, they're not here anymore. And I thought those were my friends. I'm like, you just really don't know. It takes truly a lifetime to learn who your friends are.
1: It does. I have one friend a buddy, well, I mean, I have more than one friend, but I have one buddy that I actually, we met in first grade and he's still my best friend to this day. So 36 years, him and I have been hanging out and it's been an an amazing time getting to know him and his family is like my family. And I used to hang out with him and probably over too much at his house as a kid, you know, because my (laughs) family was crazy, but they kind of adopted me. And so even to this day, you know, I've been his best man in his wedding and, you know, we've been there for each other's births of our kids and things like that. And, uh, through tragedies and and just, you know, he's always been there for me. And, and it's rare to think, I think that you have friends that long. And even looking at the, the best men that were in my wedding, you know, the groomsmen, I'm friends with two of them out of the six that were in my yeah. wedding now. Right. You know? <laughs>
0: yeah. 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 I, I, have one, I have one best friend and we grew up in the same church. Our moms was actually pregnant with us at the same time. Oh, okay. So we literally been friends since birth. <laughs> so, wow. That's awesome. Um, it's like you're talking about somebody who knows everything about you. <laughs> and I have a, a guy friend that I've been on since high school. Okay. And we always laugh. I was like, we have no choice but to be friends because we know too much about each other. Right. And yeah. you can easily blackmail me and I can easily blackmail you. Right. Yeah, totally. So, so you're stuck. Yeah. <laughs> so tell your but... friend he's stuck with you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Well, is there
0: anything in your past that you would change?
1: No, I mean, I think I went through those because it made me who I am. You know, Tony Robbins and my they say life happens for us, not to us. and I'm a big believer in that. and I think that you know things that have happened in my past or or have made me the person that I am today. And I think today i I'm extremely blessed. I mean, I have A great job. I have this great company. I have a beautiful, wonderful wife and two awesome kids. And, you know, God has brought this picture of my life together. And it's been an amazing journey. You know, I've gone through the struggle financially at 21 years old. I followed bankruptcy at 20. I was like $20,000 in debt at 21. And today I'm debt free. You know, like, you know, my, my wife and I, though we met, we married very quickly. Both of our parents we we've now been longer than both of our parents have been married you know and we've just decided that we wanted to change the legacy that we leave with our kids and my grandma who's my dad's mom has been this prayer woman since i was just even born you know and she has been the influence for me to to bring me closer to god and she's like four foot two and she's had six kids my grandpa was six four. And she's just been this miracle lady in my life. And she's had such an influence on my kids and my wife and my kids. And, you know, it's just been an amazing thing. God brought my wife and I together. You know, funny story. We were actually born at exactly 1.41 p.m. Documented on our birth certificate. Different days, different years, but the exact same minute on our birth certificate. Get out. Yeah, it's pretty crazy.
0: Pretty destined. Yeah. She stuck with you, too. <laughs>
1: yep. Yep, stuck. Yep, absolutely.
0: <laughs> yep. There's no getting away, woman. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. That is awesome. Yeah. Oh, I love your spirit. You're it is so it's not that many men whose hearts are open mm, like that because they have a fear of letting people know the true what the true love of God really is. And I love your spirit. And I only hope and pray that everything you do and your wife does and your family does will just increase.
1: It's been an interesting, you know, uh, last year I haven't been in a men's group or anything like that, but I'm really excited because I got invited by the pastor of our church to go join a a men's group with him personally, that starts here in a couple of weeks. And, and I just miss that connection with other men. And so I'm really looking forward to that. And I, I really encourage any guy out there listening to this that, If you're feeling like you have this weight on your shoulders or you're not connecting with people, get into a men's group. And and I think that can really stretch you and really grow you, but also make a a ton of open doors for you in your life and just um, really get you stronger in that relationship with God.
0: And man, serving God is not soft.
1: Right. I can't tell you how many times I've had like booger cry incidents you know, during worship or, you know, right. Like I'm, I'm helping families. Mm -hmm. My wife and I have gone down to Tijuana and built some houses with uh, for families down there. And we do it over a weekend and to see these families go from a dirt floor to a house in 24 hours that we build for them. I mean, it's unbelievable. And, and, you know, I try to be the manly man and, and, you know, during their ceremony of passing them the key, but it's God's presence is so much there in those situations that you know i can't hold you know, just burger crying watching these family you know, right it's
0: like you know god
1: god just has taken over me like quit the manly stuff man god is god is the way man it's 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 been fun
0: yes it is it's joy serving god it really is
1: yeah absolutely and i think especially for men i think we need to get into this routine of of doing things. If you're a morning person, I'm a morning person. So I get up at 4 a.m. six days a week. So my morning routine is wake up and immediately after, you know, getting out of the shower, I'm on my knees and I'm praying like that's before I grab coffee. You know, that's that's a uh, it's a non-negotiable. When I wake up in the morning, that's what I have to do. And I think that that men especially uh, just need to get this routine. Like if you're a night person, then do that when you wake up or do it at night. And, you know, uh, for me, I just think you just need to get in routines of of really making sure that you're always connected with God, even throughout the day, just not in the morning, but especially right when you wake up or right before you go to bed as well.
0: I do that, too. Actually, I just started uh, doing the prayer in the morning. I always prayed at night. But mm-hmm. when this year rolled around, I was just led to start praying in the morning, too. OK. Because, yeah. he, because he didn't have to protect us while we were sleeping. So. Right. I start praying in the morning and it makes my day go by better too. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. How did you come to the Lord?
0: I was raised in a very strict Christian home, extremely okay. strict Christian home. So, gotcha. um, Pentecostal. And so it was the whole additive, you know, church kids are the worst kids. Mm-hmm. So as soon as you get a chance to break free, you truly break free. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, I, di- I wasn't a drinker. I wasn't a smoker. I wasn't, um, do drugs, but I love clubbing. That was just my okay. thing because I love dancing. I was into that whole MC Hammer, BBD. Uh, yeah, I was all into that. You know, yeah. I was in a dance group. I was serious about this thing. I was gonna be famous. Yeah. <laughs> so come on. <laughs> um, but the Lord's put pumped my brakes really quick. Okay. Met somebody, got married extremely young, and was pregnant within a month. I wow. was like pr- married and pregnant before twenty. Wow. So. Everything stopped, but yep. that was a horrible marriage. Okay. It sucked. Mm-hmm. Um, So got out that marriage with, with two kids and things just start going like in, in waves where I would, I was just running. Mm-hmm. I ran, I I ran a good race for a mm-hmm. long time. And then finally I just got tired of running mm-hmm. and I, God just touched me. I went to church and that was, that was it. Wow. It was a wrap. Wow. So, that's a cool uh, story. Thank you for sharing. Oh, you're welcome. It's a daily walk. I tell young people all the time, you know, don't look at me as a role model. Mm-hmm. Just because man, I fail, man, of fall. I, yep. I will make mistakes. I will not, I'm not perfect, not by any means, but I do try. Yeah. And that's all I can do is try. I just try to live an example for my children. Mm-hmm. My mom. And my dad were extreme prayer warriors, so I have a good example of how to to pray and how to live right. But yet and still, this flesh is stupid, and I like to, and I like to listen to it every now and again. Sure, <laughs> <Sir>, right, absolutely. <laughs> yep. I stand firm. I'm saved. I'm sanctified, and I'm filled with the Holy Ghost. But yeah. yet and still, I'm still not perfect. I'm go. Yeah. So. Yep. so yeah, that's my story. That, that's does awesome. that even make any sense whatsoever? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. I think it's
1: awesome. Absolutely, the first cassette that I ever owned was MC Hammer. So back when they actually had cassettes. So absolutely, <laughs> right,
0: right, right. You get it. Now I still yep. love my music. i and I mean I can't help it. That's just yeah. But it's my music. But my yeah, my playlist is broad. It it goes sure. all over the place. So.
1: Uh, and mine too, I I mean, I grew up at music. My dad was always into music. I went to concerts at a very early age. My first concert was Richard Marks uh, for mm-hmm. my thirteenth birthday. I got my dad took me to see Rod Stewart, and nice. uh, you know, and so I've seen some real legends out there. But then working in the music business, managing a band, I mean, I've probably been blessed to go to close to three hundred concerts in my lifeti- lifetime, and it's been um, you know a lot of those were were blurs, uh, a lot mm-hmm. of backstage passes, a lot of open tabs, and uh, but just been blessed, and so music to me is—you know—it used to just be very metal, like hardcore metal. And when I worked for Universal, kind of opened up my eyes to country and hip hop, and you know, rap, and mm-hmm. and, um, and more dance stuff. And so I've got a pretty broad, but I still like music is life. You know, I don't yeah. listen to just worship music every day. Like when I'm working, I have to have music. I can't, I don't like silence, so I love to have something <laughs> working. Anyway, right, you know, I always have music. <laughs>
0: I'm like, I gotta have that white noise in the background. I need it. Yeah. Oh my God. I'm glad to hear you say that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. It it could be anywhere. I mean, one day I'll be listening to Aerosmith, and the next day I'll be listening to New Edition and the to New Edition, and the next day. I mean, it just you just don't know. I yep. could be listening to Kirk Franklin one day. It just I'm just all <laughs> over the place. It just depends on my mood. Yeah. So if I need a little candy girl, then so be it. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So how can people get in contact with you?
1: So I'm on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook top rated MMA uh, is the handle on Twitter and Instagram and the top rated mixed martial arts is on Facebook. My other podcast is the bearded biz. So it's just bearded biz, B I Z on Facebook and then bearded biz on Instagram. Uh, my personal account on both of those is just Eric G Allen on Instagram and Twitter. And um, I just love connecting with people. And so this has been such an honor to be able to be on your show, Lillian. And, and I love hearing your story and I think your spirit is awesome. And I, and I think what you're doing is, is literally world changing. So keep doing what you're doing. It's awesome.
0: Oh, thank you. God bless. You. I need to hear that. Thank you. Come oh. on. <laughs> All right. You, you ready for your last question?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Let's make it happen.
0: <laughs> if you could have any song be your theme song when you walked into a room, what would it be and why?
1: Mm, man, that's such a good one. Um, my theme song is uh is just what i needed wait sorry my brain just went blank there for a sec i'm trying my favorite band is the cars and uh, so i was i my brain just went blank on just what i needed i think is the song Um, okay and so yeah i I don't know i mean i think my favorite song my theme song let's let's uh I think my favorite theme song right now over the last probably five years is Shut Up and Dance with Me. Because my wife and I it, love that song and my kids love that song. So, Shut Up and Dance with Me is definitely my go to song.
0: Okay. <laughs> I do like <laughs> that song. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: That's, that's funny you were from the cars to shut up and dance
1: right. well I was like I can't think of a song so I'm just gonna say shut up and dance because that really is a thing my kids are you know uh, in elementary school and so when they hear that song they just hear the first beat and they start going nuts you know so mm-hmm. it's fun mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: it's like crank it up dad I'm
1: like i yep. ready <laughs> yep yep absolutely
0: alright thank you Eric you've been yeah, a blast <laughs> yeah it was so
1: so much fun to talk to you Lily. thank you so much have a great day
0: you too thank you uh, bye 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 Thank you, Eric, for being on my show today. I greatly appreciate it. Your story is one for the record books, and I can only hope that it only inspires others to overlook your circumstance and see what God has for you. And if you would like to be on Worldly Church Girl, click the link below, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And while you're listening, you might as well subscribe. I only have great shows ahead. I guarantee it. So thanks again to listening to your one and only worldly church girl.